Welcome to the Health Leaders Podcast, the place for peer-sourced and solution-focused insights for healthcare executives, with new episodes airing every Tuesday. I'm Carol Davis, and I'm the Nursing Editor for Health Leaders. In today's episode, we'll be talking about taking long-term steps for nurse staffing. Joining me is Maureen Sintich, Chief Nurse Executive and Executive Vice President of Innova, Northern Virginia's largest nonprofit healthcare provider with 20,000 team members who provide more than 2 million patient visits each year. Maureen leads ANOVA's nursing professional practice team and six chief nursing officers representing ANOVA's five hospitals and nursing informatics. Throughout her 20-year career, Maureen has been re responsible for nursing strategy, including models of care, staffing standards, patient experience, and the integration of population health initiatives. Maureen, thank you for being here. Hi, Carol. It's great to be here with you today. Thank you. So during the pandemic, there was a bit of a scramble to fill staffing, but now that some time has passed, organizations are taking more long-term steps for nurse staffing. To start us off, Maureen, as nursing shortages began to worsen, particularly during the pandemic, what were some of the temporary stopgap measures that were taken at ANOVA? Thank you. An emphasis on our people didn't begin with the pandemic. In fact, our people is one of ANOVA's values. And early on, we had two priorities, to provide a safe environment for our patients, as well as our people. And so one of those efforts was ensuring that we had plenty of PPE. When there was a risk that face shields would be in short supply, our engineers and supply chain teams came together and said, we can make them. And everyone received a personal PPE kit that included their face shields. We offered refresher courses to our nurses who had recently left critical care who could go back into the units and support the teams. And practice was changing rapidly, and we had a clinical team focused on the new evidence that in some cases was changing daily. Our nurse educators and clinical leaders were available and were visible. They were there, they were supporting our teams as we were learning new and different ways to care for our patients. Leadership visibility was critical. An early stopgap measure that we maintained is elevating our visibility and communication. And during the height of the pandemic, whether it was a nurse, physician, service line leader, or administrative leader, we prioritized checking in and continue to do so now. This was necessary as the pandemic response, best practices, they regularly change, sometimes hour by hour. And while Everything was shut down. We also introduced the use of technology to connect our patients with their loved ones. And while we were grateful for this innovation to create those connections, it was also extraordinarily difficult for both our patients and their family members, their loved ones, as well as our team members. And so, you know, I do believe that we are truly grateful for the learnings, as well as the fact that we know that it is safe to have visitors at the bedside again. Were there any other measures that were adapted or developed into permanent measures? 
as I mentioned, our leadership visibility, and we extended to broader group of leaders, including non-clinical leaders. We implemented a tool called Cypher to both recognize our team members as we learn what they're most proud of, as well as to identify those opportunities that they may find challenging. The great thing about the tool is it facilitates our ability to close the loop and to communicate any follow-up items with the team. Prior to the pandemic, we had a robust tele-ICU for remote monitoring of our critically ill patients, and we continue to use our tele-ICU, but we're also seeking opportunities to expand those services. And we implemented telemedicine for virtual visits as well. And how are these measures performing for ANOVA? Telemedicine has been a critical part of our transformation. In 2020, uh, we provided more than 185,000 virtual visits for behavioral health, primary care, and chronic disease. And while our patients are coming back into the office, we are still using virtual um, telemedicine for the care that we provide. Now, how have travel nurses fit into ANOVA's staffing strategy, uh, both now and in the future? Like many of our colleagues across the country, we brought in travel nurses, and we continue to have travel nurses in our facilities. We also recognize that we can't compete with the travel nurse salaries, but we're very focused on our work environment, and what we can compete with is creating that sense of purpose and belonging, as well as well-being. We know that nurses want to be involved in meaningful work. Early in the pandemic, we leveraged our existing shared governance structures within our care sites, and we redefined the meaning of shared governance across the system. As a result, our nurses' involvement in the planning and the structure that we designed that went from their unit or department level to the system level brought broad representation of frontline nurses. And I have 70 trusted advisors who lead many of our councils. They're focused on professional development, improving quality nursing informatics, and improving technology and documentation, holistic care and caring science, research and evidence-based practice implementation, and many, many other areas. And I, and I think you know, a great example of this is we continue to develop our people through our nursing informatics liaison program. And that was something that came out of the pandemic where bedside nurses who wanted to learn more but stay close to the bedside were learning new skills around informatics and they come together every month they're also working on meaningful projects, um, things like improving documentation and reducing the documentation burden, ensuring that we have the appropriate quality measures. One example was uh, the form that we use for um, patient ID of certain specimens and to minimize the, the workload in the process and to streamline it to improve the accuracy. Inefficiencies and stress can lead to burnout, which affects retention, as you well know. How can work processes be improved 
to create a better environment for nurses who will then want to stick around? Based upon some of the discussions at our Shared Governance Congress, I held some focus groups last fall, and I used the IHI Join Work Framework to seek to understand what they're most proud of, what makes a great day for them, and what gets in their way. There was a lot of pride. Pride in their teams, pride in their care and their outcomes, the ability to treat the whole person, trust in transparency. But one of the challenges that they talked about is the fact that we need to make things easier. Again, whether it's documentation, having their equipment and supplies at their fingertips, more time to connect with their patients, likely because they're spending time on non-nursing tasks. And so we've worked with our IT and supply chain colleagues to streamline many of their requests. We have proactive rounding, um, or SWAT teams, if you will, by our IT teams to address any equipment issues proactively and redistributing supplies for easier access. And in fact, it was our System Nursing Congress that provided the feedback as we created patient-facing signage regarding our zero tolerance policy because they talked about workplace violence and how that has taken a toll, recognizing that we're a healing environment, but that we won't toler tolerate disrespectful language, behavior, or any physicality with our team members. You know, if there's anything that the pandemic highlighted, the mental health crisis as a whole, but it's also exponentially impacted our healthcare team members and our nurses. So another measure that we put in place early on was we have behavioral health nurse practitioners and they would round on our team members, not just our nurses, but all of our team members. And our team members were so grateful for this service and so appreciative that we are actually going through the process right now of hiring on-site counselors who are available to our teams. We also invested in de-escalation training for everyone and created what we call SAFE Teams, or uh, which is an acronym and stands for Safety Always for Everyone, which is a rapid response team for a behavioral event. It includes nursing, security, behavioral health expertise, uh, someone, sometimes a chaplain or someone from the clergy. And then also behavioral health officers. And these are individuals who have particular training in behavioral health and de-escalation and are available within our emergency departments as well as to, to the members of our team. Well, Maureen, thank you so much for joining me today and for sharing your expertise. It's been great speaking with you. Thank you. I appreciate being here with you today. And thank you to you and our audience for listening to the Health Leaders Podcast. We'll be here each Tuesday with more healthcare industry insights.